Welcome back to the podcast, The Secret of a Successful Life Series. In the last episode, we noticed how Harry and Clara had secretly purchased a new car for the struggling newlyweds, Leo and Barbara Jean McIntosh. In this episode titled, It's Something I Think God Wants Me to Do, Part B. We will learn about another family member who has done something he feels very strongly about that will change the course of his life and the lives of many others in the years to come. After Leo graduated from Bible school and we relocated in southeast Colorado at the little town of Eagle Point, our first child was born. We named her Jean Clara. While settling into a new home with our baby girl and a new ministry, we felt like we had the world by the tail. In August, we would make plans to travel to Iowa to let Leo's parents see Jean Clara, and we would attend the family reunion in August. The annual reunion was usually held at David and Anna Benson's farm. The day of the picnic, the early arrivals helped to set up tables and chairs in the yard. David and Anna had recently had electricity installed in their home, and the men were talking about the new inventions they could enjoy with that. David shared how his friend Alfred Fisher had bought a new television set when they got electricity at the farm. Alfred enjoyed having the neighbors come to watch TV with them. However, sometimes his good friend Marion Winslow would stop with his John Deere tractor and park it across the road while he was doing something. The noise of the putt-putt tractor would interfere with Alfred's TV reception, and he could not enjoy the program like he wanted. While the men talked about the latest news, the heads of the family members all turned to look at the new shiny maroon car turned into the driveway. Leo and Barbara Jean with baby Jean Clara, had been staying at Walter and Julianne's. So Leo's parents and sister Jane rode with them in the new car to the reunion. After helping the ladies unload the meal preparations and items for the baby, the men started to gather around the new car and admire it. Leo explained how someone had given them an anonymous gift of this car. We were asked to pick it up at a car dealership in Dallas. Yes, and it could not have come at a better time. Our old car was breaking down almost constantly. I think the Lord was really in tune with the givers for this car, and we sure are thankful for that. While no one said it, almost everyone wondered if Harry and Clara were the donors for the car. However, that was not something that any of us really needed to know. With the men looking at the car, Leo opened the hood and started to point out various blessings the new car had. When he mentioned the hill holder, Harry said, Clara would really like that invention. There's one hill we have to stop at that's hard to get going again. Frank Benson said, Do you remember old George Hansen? Every time he drives his old car, he puts his foot on the foot feed for about 10 seconds to race the engine before he lets out on the clutch. Oscar Benson said, by that time, the car engine probably sounds like it's about ready to take off and fly like an airplane. Looking at Harry, David Benson said, You know, 
You could buy one of these and replace that older car you and Claire are driving. Harry responded, Well, I sure like the looks of this car. I think we can squeeze some more life out of the one we have. Changing the subject, David Benson mentioned how it was so nice to have most of the family and friends come to the reunion. While Oscar McIntosh was not able to attend, there was a new face in the crowd who was looking very attentively to Mary McIntosh. While Oscar joined the U.S. Army after high school graduation, Mary went to Northeast Nebraska Christian College. There she met a young preacher student named Joshua Stevens. Joshua was a third-year student and was planning to make a lifetime of service as a preacher. He came from a farming community in northern Missouri, so he was able to stop in and see Mary for the family reunion held at David and Anna Benson's farm. To everyone's understanding, the two looked to be very serious about each other. Walter McIntosh asked Joshua what he thought of the Bible college they were going to. Mr. McIntosh, Mary and I think this is a good school that is focused on God's direction. As long as they continue to keep that focus, I look for the school to continue on for many years. We have some very committed, godly teachers that have shared important lessons. I feel like we are receiving a quality education there. Joshua, that's very impressive. I'm glad for both you and Mary, Walter said. He then continued, What I heard about your college is that it was started a few years ago to replace the one that went broke in the 1930s. Harry went on to say, Walter, you're talking about the Christian church school that was in Omaha, Nebraska. Unfortunately, that school closed its doors in the Depression. I certainly hope that the school Mary is attending will always stay focused on the Lord and His will and remain open for many years to come. After the big lunch, Family members found chairs to sit on under the shade of the yard trees and catch some of the breeze that was felt there. Mary and Joshua sat down on the porch swing under the shade tree and were holding hands. Mary started to talk about her brother Oscar and how she really missed him. I wonder how Oscar's getting along right now since he's been in Korea. I miss him and I have been thinking about him a lot lately. Yes, honey. Harry said, when he told me last year that he wanted to join the army, I did my best to talk him out of doing that. Your mother and I explained that we could send both of you kids to college if you wanted to go. But Oscar was so headstrong about this. I stopped trying to talk him out of this when he said that after praying about this, he felt this was what God wanted him to do. But I sure miss him a lot too especially since our military got involved recently over in Korea. North Korea invaded South Korea, and our president felt like we needed to get involved militarily. When Harry mentioned about trying to send Oscar to college, Leo thought to himself how the money that was used to buy our new car could have been used by Harry and Clara to send Oscar to college. While Leo was feeling sad inside about that, Jim Nelson said something that made a lot of sense and helped Leo and I along with Harry to feel much better. Harry, don't be so hard on yourself, Jim Nelson said. Even if you had succeeded in talking Oscar out of joining the Army and he went to college, there's a chance that 
now the draft has started up again. He probably would have been called up just like Leo and I were back 10 years ago in 1940. Harry said, Jim, that makes a lot of sense. Thanks for sharing that. Harry continued, Did we ever tell you about Oscar's first letter home after he went to the Army? It seems that he was in the Army barber shop where every new soldier was getting a military haircut. Oscar sat down in the chair and the barber started to cut his hair. The barber said, Where are you from, soldier? Oscar said, Iowa. The barber said, Pretty good state, isn't it? Oscar replied, It sure is. The barber then said, Next. It didn't take that man long to give a military haircut. In order to include Joshua in the conversation, Mary said, Joshua, you've heard me tell you some things about Oscar. While we've had our moments where we fought, we also had our times when we have been there for each other. Did I ever tell you about the time Mama made a picnic lunch for Oscar and me? It was while Daddy was in the Army. One day, to help take our minds off of missing Daddy, Mama put together a sack lunch and sent us out for a picnic west of the house. Well, before we got very far, I decided I needed to stop at the outhouse for a few minutes. How was I to know that my twin brother would eat the entire lunch while I was gone? I learned in the later picnics that I had to take the sack lunch with me to the outhouse to keep him from eating it up. Then there was a time when we baptized the cats and he got all scratched up by the old tomcat that didn't feel like he needed to be immersed for his many sins. Clara joined in the conversation. Mary, you left something out. As I recall how Oscar got in trouble and you came to his defense was because he quoted a traveling preacher's comment about people baptizing cats and the ones that didn't want to get wet, he said, oh, be a Methodist and go to hell. Oscar said that in front of our good Methodist friends. We had some major explaining to give about that. The only reason we didn't spank him was because you explained that you'd overheard our preacher friend tell that story after you went to bed. Preacher Smith, no relation to you, Greg and Doris, but Preacher Smith wrote a letter of apology to the Methodist family and also to Oscar and Mary. Jim Nelson spoke up by saying, Joshua, I have long realized that Oscar has grit, or as we said in the Army, he has guts. That young man is not afraid to express himself, and he's a good leader. When he shot the big deer on our ranch, he was using that Japanese rifle with open sights to shoot the deer at a long range. That man is a good shot. As an Army veteran, I know that Oscar is a valuable member of his company. He'll come home from the Army with a much higher rank than he has now. I just know it. Coming from the house, I sat down with our baby beside Leo and joined the conversation about Oscar. The story I enjoyed the most about him was how he and his football team led the cow up to the top floor of the high school on Halloween. His dad knew what had happened and made the entire team get the cow out of the school. It took most of the day for the boys to bring that cow out and clean up the mess she made. I don't think Oscar will ever forget that. Barbara Jean, Betty McIntosh said, you might not have heard how Oscar went head to toe with an old tightwad farmer when I was in the hospital for our first baby. 
Leroy was with me and left Oscar and little David to take care of the custom hay baling business. Everything was going well until Farmer Jacobs tried to cheat the boys out of a sizable amount of money. The old farmer tried to say that the boys did not bale as much hay as they were billing him for. Oscar went right into the farmer's barn and showed him the amount of hay they had baled. Oscar didn't back down, and the old tightwad had to admit he was wrong. I know wherever he is at, he will be a leader that others can depend on. While the conversation went to various subjects, Lil looked up to see the sheriff's car coming down the road and starting to pull into the driveway. Looking at David Benson, Leo nervously said, Okay, Uncle David, what did you do now to have the sheriff come to the party? With a nervous voice, David said, I don't know, as he stood up and went to visit the sheriff. Sheriff Barker, what brings you out to our part of the county on a day like today? David? I have a message for Harry. Could I talk with him? And also, would you stay nearby? Okay, David said. David went to find Harry, who went to the sheriff's car, and Clara nervously followed. Harry, the sheriff in your home county up north sent me this message and wanted me to deliver it. It's from an army General Thompson. Harry nervously replied, Oh, you know, since we're back in a war, I guess General Thompson wants me to come back as an army chaplain. He was a man that promoted me from a second lieutenant to captain in the last war. But still, why would he send me a telegram to do that? Harry, you better read this, Sheriff Barker said as he handed the note to him. While Harry and Clara were looking at the envelope, the sheriff explained that the telegraph delivery man, due to the urgency, had given it to the sheriff in their county, and the message was relayed word for word by phone. Nervously opening the letter, Harry read it out loud. Dear Captain and Mrs. McIntosh, out of great respect for you and realizing how slow the Army news can travel, I regret to inform you that I learned yesterday your son, Corporal Oscar Lee McIntosh, has been listed as missing in action while serving in Korea. It is believed that his entire company has been largely outnumbered by enemy troops. It is also our best understanding that your son has been taken as a prisoner of war and will be placed in a POW camp somewhere in China. You have my greatest sympathy and you will be my prayers. I will personally inform you of any further developments. Yours truly, General Taylor, United States Army. Clara fell into Harry's arms and burst into loud sobbing tears. While the rest of the family did not hear the message, they could see that it was very disturbing news. Harry and Clara were overcome with grief. Handing the letter to David Benson, he started to share the contents with the family 
until he became overcome with grief. That is when Pastor Greg Smith stood up and helped take over. Offering a calmer emotion, Greg said, How this was not the news we want to hear. However, there was hope that Oscar would be alive. Leo said to Jim, We know how the Eastern people operate. A prisoner of war in China will not be a 4th of July picnic either. But if any American soldier can handle being a POW, Oscar has the strength to survive that. Greg led the group in prayer, asking for God's help and protection for Oscar and his safe return. In the 10 years covered in this book, God has helped our family in more ways than we realized. The Lord has always been there for us in our frightening times, just as he will be there for Oscar and for us. We have learned to trust the Lord in the good and difficult times of life. God is the one who will help us through this next adventure. We know and believe this to be true. Partial summary of the book. I realize this family history has grown from the start of this book. For the outsider, it might seem to be a little confusing of which David and Oscar is being written about. When David and Anna named their first son Oscar in honor of Oscar Jones, the father of Clara McIntosh, how were they to realize that someday Clara would be their sister-in-law and name her twin children, Oscar and Mary? How was Walter and Julianne McIntosh to know when they named their second son Leroy David in honor of David Benson, that someday David would marry Walter's sister Anna and there would be two Davids in the family? Later, Clara and Harry McIntosh would name their third child David in honor of David Benson. It can be quite confusing at family gatherings, but we've grown to love each other very much. We've laughed, cried, and followed God together. God has helped us to live quite well in frightening times. This is true for any period of our lives. God walks with us every step of the way. So we leave Oscar in a POW camp in China, and another loved one will write of his experiences in the next volume novel in this series. Barbara Jean McIntosh Thank you for joining us today. We have noticed how Harry and Clara's son, Oscar, has been captured by the Chinese during the Korean War and is in a prisoner of war camp. With this chapter, we end volume four in the series and plan to share the next volume five in the coming new year. The big question is, will Oscar ever come home alive? We invite you to listen to this new volume.